For the choir director, do not destroy. A Davidic miktam, when he fled before Saul into the cave. Be gracious to me, God, be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. God sends his faithful love and truth. I am surrounded by lions. I lie down with those who devour men. Their teeth are spears and arrows. Their tongues are sharp swords. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. They prepared a net for my steps. I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell into it. My heart is confident. God, my heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Well, it's great to, uh, great to see you tonight. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 57 together, so it'd be great if you uh, kept that open. Uh, but we're going to pray again and ask for God's help as we look at this uh, part of God's Word together. So please uh, join with me as we pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks that we can meet together as your people tonight. Uh, we thank you for your Word. Father, we pray particularly as we turn to the Psalms that you might encourage us we pray that you would strengthen us to honour you in the ups and downs of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before I was in ministry, I used to be an electrical engineer. Uh, so I worked for what's uh, now Osgrid, uh, the group that uh, build, operate, maintain all the things, sorry, all the bits and pieces that bring electricity to your house. Okay, so it's a pretty kind of important thing uh, to happen. And while I've finished, I mean, many years ago walking at Ausgrid, uh, there's still some things that carry on, I think, from my days as an electrical engineer. So, for example, when we're on holiday, driving around, you know, you drive past a substation, right, you probably ignore it, you don't even notice it, right? It's that sort of building that's got like a wire fence around it, there's transformers, there's switch gear, transmission, it's very exciting, right? <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. Once we were on holidays, we were driving around with my wife Amy in the car before we had kids, so we actually spoke in the car, and I managed to teach Amy to identify the different voltage levels of transmission lines, right? It was a great holiday, right? And uh, if Amy was here, she, she would agree wholeheartedly. But there are, there are other things of being, being an engineer, you know, when you're at home, something breaks, you think, oh, I bet I could try and fix it, even if you can't. You give it a go, right? As an engineer, I love, you know, I love PowerPoint. I love having pictures, diagrams, flowcharts. Though, kind of ironically, there's no PowerPoint today. But anyway, don't worry about that. So there's, there's lots of great things about being an engineer, right? But, but there is one weakness. Only one, but, but it is a weakness. And that is poetry, right? Engineers, poetry, not really a good mix. 
And that's a bit of a problem, right? Because when we come to the Psalms, we, we find a book full of poetry, right? But if you're like me, if poetry is not your forte, if you don't sort of get up on a Saturday morning and think, oh, I'd love to read some poetry this morning, well, well don't give up because in the Psalms, we find this great treasure from God. See, the Psalms, they come to us in the Bible. They're God's word to us. But the Psalms are written from the perspective of the believer. Right? The psalmist, one who trusts in God, he, he writes to God, addressing to him in the ups and downs of life. And so for us as Christians, as we read the Psalms, often we, we can connect with the experience of the psalmist. And we know for us as Christians, life has its ups and downs. And so we can turn to the Psalms. But what's, what's really helpful about the Psalms is we can connect with their experience, but as we read them, they lift our eyes. They lift our eyes from our present circumstances and they lift our eyes to God. They remind us of God's faithfulness and they encourage us to put our trust in him. And hopefully we'll see that tonight as we look at Psalm 57 together. These, these psalms that we're looking over some are psalms that connect particularly with the life of King David. So if you look in the, the start of the psalm, it starts with a, with a title, Praise for God's Protection. Right, that's a, a title that's been given by the English translators. and sort of supposed to be a, a helpful summary of the psalm. But the next words underneath, they're part of the original psalm. So you can see it starts with some uh, kind of uh, musical direction for the choir director to the tune, Do Not Destroy, a Davidic miktam when he, David, fled before Saul into the cave. So that's the particular historical circumstance which this psalm reflects on. Right? You can imagine David writing this psalm in the cave. But that kind of begs the question of well, which cave? Which cave is, is David in? Because if you think of uh, David in a cave, right, the most famous incident of David, if you remember from the books of 1 and 2 Samuel, is that David's hiding in the back of a cave and King Saul, the one who's trying to kill him, he comes into the cave to, uh, to relieve himself. Right? He comes into the cave and David sees him. David's hiding at the back with his fighting men. And this is a, a perfect opportunity for David to kill Saul, right? the man who's trying to kill him. But famously, David spares his life. So it's probably the most famous cave, I guess, in the life of David. But I actually think the psalm is talking about an event much earlier in the life of David. The time when he flees to this cave called the cave of Adullam. Right? So if you just we'll take a step back for a minute. Remember the story of David. Right? We meet him in the Bible as a shepherd boy. Right? Kind of from a, not a very important family. But the prophet Samuel comes to him and says to David, you will be king over the whole nation of Israel. Something that comes as a, as a big surprise to David. But it's from there, David goes to the battlefield and there he challenges Goliath to a battle. Remember the, the big giant of the Philistines, the, the, the man from Gath. And there David famously defeats him with just a slingshot. And that's the, the beginning of David's sort of rise to popularity. The, the, the people love him and, and David is successful on the battlefield. They sing songs about him. They say, you know, Saul, the, the present king, he, he's killed his thousands. But David, 
David has killed his tens of thousands. And everybody loves David. Everyone, of course, except Saul, the present king. Now, he hates David. He is jealous over him. And so, so Saul tries to kill him. After a couple of failed attempts where David narrowly escapes from his, with his life, David flees from Jerusalem and he heads to the town of Gath, of the nation of the Philistines. And it's a sign of, I think, the desperation of David that, that he would seek refuge in the nation of his enemies. I mean, many of those tens of thousands that David had killed were the Philistines. And yet David finds he has no choice. And so he goes to this town of Gath of the Philistines, and there he is seized by the Philistines. That's when he's brought before King Achish. And if you remember last week when we looked at Psalm 56, that was the particular instance that the psalm reflected on, right? when David was seized by the Philistines. But what does David do? Well, he's brought before King Achish. He pretends to be crazy. Okay, he begins to sort of scratch on the doors. He lets saliva dribble down his beard. And the ploy works. King Achish thinks he's crazy. He says, look, I've got enough crazy people in my kingdom. And so he sends David away. And where does David go? Well, he flees to a cave, the cave of Adullam. And I think that's where David writes this psalm. This is the cave that, that David reflects on his life and writes the psalm. And the reason for that is that we'll see there's a lot of connection between Psalm 56 that we looked at last week and Psalm 57 that we're looking at today. So just you can see how the Psalms start together, right? Psalm 56, be gracious to me, God. Psalm 57, be gracious to me, God, right? They're, they're placed next to each other. They start in the same way. There's a, there's a connection between them and we'll see that as we go, that they reflect on a similar time in David's life. When he's escaped from the Philistines and now in the relative safety of this cave of Adullam. So with that in mind, then let's, let's get into the psalm. Then, and you'll see that the psalm starts in a very kind of positive and optimistic way. Be gracious to me, God, be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. So in the first verse, we see this image of, of what it is to seek refuge in God. David likens it to, uh, to a baby bird seeking refuge under the wing of its parents. When you kind of stop and think about it, it's, it's quite a powerful image, isn't it? Just, just imagine for a moment, you're, right, you're, you're a baby bird. Okay, imagine that for a moment, right? You're pretty cute. Well, maybe, maybe some of you are anyway, right? Just imagine you're a baby bird. But, but you're also re- really vulnerable, aren't you? I mean, you can't, you can't feed yourself, you can't fly, you can't protect yourself. There are many prey that want to eat you. But just imagine what it would be like to seek refuge in the shadow of your parents' wing. On one side, to have the, the warmth of their body. The other the powerful wing drawing you closer. It's quite a powerful image, isn't it? And that's what David puts before us in verse 1. He says, I will seek refuge 
in the shadow of your wings. Well, look there, verse 2, the psalm continues, I call to God most high. Now, I think this first here connects back to Psalm 56, right? So if you look, Psalm 56, just before verse 9, says, My enemies will retreat on the day when I call. Okay, back to verse 2. I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. Tramples is a word used a number of times in Psalm 56. God sends his faithful love and truth. So if you look at the two Psalms together, it's like David calls to God when he's been seized by the Philistines. And now God has saved him. He's now in the the relative safety of the cave of Adullam, right? It, It fits the kind of historical context. Psalm 57 comes after Psalm 56. And so you can see how the psalm begins. You know, it's quite positive, optimistic, seeking refuge in God. But then verse 4 really comes as a bit of a shock to the psalm. Look there, verse 4, because then David starts to speak about his enemies. Verse 4, I'm surrounded by lions. I lie down with those who devour men. Their teeth are spears and arrows. Their tongues are sharp swords. See, verse 4 reminds us that David is far from safe. Right? He's escaped from the clutches of the Philistines, yes. But he's fled to this cave before Saul. There is still a murderous king at the head of his army intent on David's death. And so he describes these foes, these enemies, he describes them as lions. It's kind of a picture of these, these beasts lurking around, circling David, looking for an opportunity to strike. But it's more than that. These are lions with teeth of spears and arrows. I just, just imagine that picture looking at a lion with teeth of of spears and arrows. It's it's, it's fearsome, isn't it? And it reminds us of the situation of David. He says of his opponents, their tongues are sharp swords, a, a metaphor describing people. And we know the damage that the tongue can bring, can't we, of words spoken. Reminds us of Psalm 56, they they twist the words of David all day long. See, see verse 4 reminds us this psalm was not written in the shade of the tamarisk tree back in Jerusalem. No, it was written in a cave where David is sheltering for his life. In fact, in 1 Samuel 22 that recounts these events, this is where David's family joins him. Right, so you can imagine him there, he's, he's sitting in the cave, the fire's going, across the flickering light, he sees his family there, huddled together, vulnerable. These are refugees, they've, they've fled from their home in Jerusalem, fled for their life, and with David now holed up in this cave. We're reminded that for David, things are still very desperate, he's still very much in danger, and when we remember that, it, well, it makes us think again about verses 1 to 3. I mean, how, how, how can David be so optimistic? How can he say in verse 2, I call to God, most high to God, who fulfills his purposes for me. 
purpose that have led David to this cave where he fears for his life. But if verse 4 comes as a bit of a shock, so does verse 5. Right? Because having reminded us of David's situation, well, the thoughts turn to God and to his glory. Verse 5, God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the earth. So in that gave, David's concern is for the glory of God. He wants him to be glorified, that from the heights of heaven to the depths of the earth, that God's name would be glorified. I mean, it reminds us a little bit of the the Lord's Prayer. Remember, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and how does he begin? He begins by praying for the glory, for God to be glorified. And he says, hallowed be your name. Your name be holy. That's what it means on earth as it is in heaven. He prays, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer for God to be glorified. And that's what we see on the lips of David from the cave of Adullam. His concern is to see God glorified. Well, that brings us then to verse 6. And that sort of finishes off the the first section of the psalm. So look there, verse 6. They prepared a net for my steps. I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell into it. Now, as we read verse 6, it's it's hard to think of a particular incident from David's life that's been recorded for us. I mean, there's there's lots of times that people tried to trap David, not, not literally with nets and pits, right? But there's many people who sought David's downfall. But it seems on this particular occasion that David's remembering, I mean, it was a difficult time. He says, look, I I was despondent. But in this particular time, the trap that was set was turned against his enemies, right? His enemies set the trap, but they fell into it. So it seems that David here is sort of thinking back over his life and, and he's thinking, remembering God's providential care of him. In particular, the times that God has cared for him when he has been threatened. And that kind of leads to the real change of tone in the psalm. So you can see verse 7, the second section we'll look at in a minute, there's a real change. He says, my heart is confident. God, my heart is confident. As he remembers God's care for him over the course of his life. But it's worth at that point just just having a little pause for a moment. Okay, we've looked at the, the first six verses. Right? How do we see them together? And so we think of, of David. He's fled before Saul into this cave. It's really quite a desperate time for him. And yet what does he do? Well, he seeks refuge in the shadow of God's wings. He trusts in God's purposes for him. And he concerns himself for the glory of God. But as we reflect on the Psalms, what we need to do as Christians is, is we need to think of Jesus. Because Jesus himself, so Luke 24 is on the road to Emmaus. He says, all of the Psalms are about me. So as we read the Psalms as Christians, we need to think, well, well, how do they point to Jesus? How does Psalm 57 in particular, how, how does that point to Jesus? And to me, my first thought is to well, think of Jesus on the cross. Right? So as Jesus hung on those wooden beams... 
he was surrounded by his enemies. But there, were, there were lions dr- prowling around, not literally, but there were Roman soldiers, right? spears bristling. There was the religious leaders, those set against him, with tongues like sharp swords. As, de- as Jesus hung on the cross, they, they hurled insults at him. If you are the Christ, come down from the cross now so that we might see and believe it. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. See, we think of Jesus there on the cross, surrounded by his opponents. And yet, how does he respond in that situation? Well, he is obedient to the purposes of his father. So John chapter 12, but before the cross, uh, we, we read this. John 12, verse 27, he says, My soul is troubled, thinking of the cross, that is. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour, save me from the cross. But this is why I came to this hour. And you see how Jesus, as he reflects on the cross, as, as he knows what it will mean, he says, I will be obedient to the purposes of the Father. He says, not what I will, but what you will knowing that by his death, he will redeem a people for himself. By his death, he will secure the forgiveness that we so desperately need. But what is interesting in in John's Gospel, John chapter 12, after saying this, this is why I have come. He says, Father, glorify your name. We see for Jesus, he is concerned with the glory of the Father. Even at the cross, he knows that as he die, he will redeem a people. A people who will come to glorify the Father. And so as we read Psalm 57 together as Christians, well, we can give thanks to God for Jesus, right? We can give thanks to his obedience, his his willingness to go to the cross, his willingness to glorify the Father by giving his life as a ransom for many. But while we can rightfully give thanks for Jesus, and that really should be our first port of call, this this psalm is also a challenge for us, isn't it? It's a challenge to think, well, well, how do we respond? How do we respond in the midst of the psalm? See, for us as as Christians, as as we read the psalms, there are times where we really connect with the experience of the psalmist. right? And And we think of David, Right now, okay, we're not going to find ourselves in the same situation as David, right? In a cave pursued by a murderous king, okay? Probably fairly unlikely, right? But there are times that we can connect with the experience of the Psalms, that we feel that everything is against us, that we feel we're in the midst of the storm. And how do we respond then? Do we seek refuge in the shadow of God's wings? Do we trust ourselves to God's purposes for us? Do we concern ourselves with the glory of our Father? It's quite a challenge, isn't it? But but actually, there's more to it. The thing about Psalm 57 is is that not the end. No, the second section is this, this great hymn of praise. 
See, for David, it's not some kind of like a, like a stoic trust. Yeah, okay, I'll trust in God. No, it, it's, it's full of joy and celebration. Right, you think of, of David in this cave, huddled there for safety. And yet what rings out in those caverns? It's, it's the sound of the lyre. It's the sound of the harp as David sings praises to his God. It's remarkable, isn't it? But have a look, verse 7. Listen to how David responds. He says, my heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. Notice just the the repetition of the structure of verse 1. Right, this is a, a new section of the psalm. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Do you praise God like that? Do you praise God like that? Do you, do you long to see his name praised among the nations? And do you do it in the midst of the storm? See, for us as Christians, as we read Psalm 57... It comes as a challenge to us, doesn't it? But, but, but this is the wonder of the Psalms. We, we turn to the Psalms. We find a connection with the psalmist in, in the highs and the lows of life. And as we find ourselves in the midst of the storm, we can, we can turn to Psalm 57. And as we read through the Psalm, it, it lifts our eyes from our present circumstances. And we finish reading the Psalm with these words. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. The psalm helps us to respond rightly as believers, as those who trust in our God. But, but how can we do that? How, how can we respond in that way? How, how can we honestly sing praises to God in the midst of the storm? Well, the key comes in, in verse 10 of the psalm, right? This is, this is the reason that David can praise God, because he says, For your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. See, for David, he remembers God's faithfulness. He remembers the promises that God has made to him, the promises that David would be king over the nation. And he knows God is faithful. God is true. God can be trusted. And so that's what helps him in the midst of the storm. And and that's the key for us. For us as Christians, as we go through life, to keep our eyes fixed on the faithfulness of our God. And, And for us as Christians, I mean, we know more than David, right? We know more about our God because we know of the coming of the Lord Jesus. We know more about his faithfulness. We know more about the depths of his love. Because we know that Jesus was born into our world. We know that he willingly gave his life. See, on the day Jesus died, it was the darkest day of history, was it not? 
The day when the forces of evil aligned to crucify the Lord of glory. They dug a pit before him. It was sinful and lawless men that arranged for him to be crucified. An innocent man. An unjust trial. The agony, the pain, the suffering, the humiliation. And at the end of that day, it seemed like evil had won. Jesus was dead and was buried. The darkest day in all of history. And yet on the third day, everything changed. See, God did not let his Holy One see decay. No, he raised Jesus to life again. It seemed like evil had won, but no. By the cross and by the resurrection... The powers, the principalities, the the authorities of this age were publicly disgraced because the debt of sin was nailed to the cross. It was done away with. Death was swallowed. The sting of death, gone. Jesus is shown to be the victorious king. The evil powers dug a pit, but they were the ones who fell into it. And this is what we know as Christians, right? We know of God's faithfulness. We know of his promises to us that that as we turn to Christ, we will be raised with Jesus on the last day. We know of God's love for us, that Jesus would give his life a ransom for many. And we know that God can be trusted, that his faithfulness reaches the heavens. And so for us as Christians, friends, as we find ourselves in the midst of the storm, let us remember the faithfulness of God. Let us think of his love for us. And at those times, may we seek refuge in the shadow of his wings. May we entrust ourselves to his purposes for us. And may we concern ourselves with his glory i'm going to lead us in prayer now as we finish and pray that god's glory would be over the earth i'd love for you to join me as we pray our father in heaven we give you great thanks that we can meet together as your people we thank you for the lord jesus we thank you for his obedience to your purposes his willingness to give his life as a ransom for many. We thank you that he was willing to die in our place to secure the forgiveness that we so desperately need. Father, we praise you for your faithfulness, for your love for us, and we praise you for the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that we would be a people who trust in you, that we would seek refuge in you in the midst of the storm. And Father, we do pray that your name may be praised among the nations, that you would be glorified. Father, we pray that your name would be holy on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your kingdom will come and we pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.